Jack and Rose podcast where you can listen to us sink with this ship. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and Scene Partners <laughs> podcast coming to you live. Ja- I had no idea what you were saying. I thought it was offensive at first. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. I just like, I didn't put too did much really, thought into it. Did and you I just, just like, come up with that on the top of your head? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. It's like, he's always throwing weird stuff at me. What if I just threw something weird you at him? You should be a performer. That is I, hilarious. Well. Welcome to the Jack and Rose. I, like you said Jack and Rose, and I was like, what a great name for a bar. But I literally thought that you were you were being offensive. I was like, we can't start that way. <laughs> Like, that's not okay. <laughs> you can't say that out loud. What are you doing? Jack and Rose Bar would be really funny. Like, yeah. if it was in the basement of some place, <laughs> you do the ship theme. Like a third-class passenger. Yeah, like <laughs> well, that was great. How have you been doing? I have been, well, a little tired today. Because yeah. we, we pretty much built the set for Tuck Everlasting. Yeah, we did. We spent, it, it was such a neat day yesterday. Um, I realized how much... Over the last, who knows, like however long it's been, um, you know, when we did uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, it was really you and I doing the set. And then when we did Tuna Christmas, it was like you and I. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, yesterday we're doing the set for Tech Everlasting, which I mean, I will 100 percent admit so good. that it's very it was very ambitious. Yeah. What I had in mind. Um and I started it alone and then realized, don't do this to yourself. It's just been kind of a hard lesson for me. Yeah. Because I just kind of want to go in there and get it done and almost feel guilty about asking other people for their time. Mm-hmm. Like even yesterday when people were there to work because they wanted to be to like help out um, in building the set. I kept thinking the whole time I like should like I'm taking advantage of these people's time. Like mm-hmm. they're like I should be I should be the one doing this and trying to run around and make sure everybody has what they need and then realize that me jumping around to everyone constantly meant that things weren't getting done as fast. <laughs> so it was strange because I had to we kind could of use your help specifically specifically <laughs> somewhere else yeah. on one thing. <laughs> but it is, you know, you it is a very hard thing to just trust people to say, this is what we're doing Mm -hmm. and then just like allow them to go and do, you know, and that's been a hard thing for me. But, um, I mean, it was, it was awesome. Like we had so many great people show up and help us and we got a lot done Yes, and a lot of things in the air. Yes. (laughs) Which was the scarier thing. It was like, this, this in my mind was not this Tall. <laughs> it's like, hey, we're going to have this platform, you know, just like an eight foot tall platform. You don't think that's going to be too big until you stand up on it. And yeah. then you realize that the stage itself is three and a half feet off of the ground. So when you look down and you see the audience, that's, you know, eight plus three. <laughs> <laughs> Eleven feet. <laughs> you did it. That that's was so funny. It's 11 uh, feet in the air. Eleven and a half feet. Yeah. But still that I mean it just is crazy. But I mean, you know, we we did do the thing where everybody was there to do a specific thing and mm-hmm. I had changed my mind because I just didn't want to uh I I didn't want to tear down any more of our materials than we have to because you know, a lot of a lot of times when you're working in smaller theaters or you know, without a huge budget in a small community, 
you you don't want to spend money where you don't have to. So yeah. it kind of forces you to be creative. And we've talked about that before. But that means that if we have a platform built in the shop, I don't want to tear that platform down to, you know, use it for something else. Like if I have to split it in half because I need the plywood or I need it to be a different length, because then later I don't have a full platform for something yeah. else. And so that's like money. So that's what I always see. When I go through the shop, I think, okay, if I want to do this and I saw that platform in half because I want it to be thin for a walkway, then I just I just basically cost this company $120. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what it will be to replace this platform again. Mm-hmm. So I just try to like be as resourceful as possible. But we were staring at it with all these people um, after we had gotten this attic space in the air on the set. And I changed my mind and was like, no, we're not going to put another platform up there. We're done. Yeah. It's over. I'm just going to do escape stairs this way. We're just going to change something else. And it's, it's not going to be that big of a deal. And then um, everyone that could have helped us left. And it was me, you, and Samantha, <laughs> our assistant <laughs> stage manager. Yes. And I'm looking at it and I said, no, we're going to do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like now that it's just you and me, let's put this. this it was, it was know, great. Like it was a good moment platform. for me. I looked around. Eight I was feet like, in the air. There's no one else. It was really great go. when you actually said it out loud. You were like, this is a great time to do this after you sent everyone away. <laughs> I was like, you're right. It is a really good time. <laughs> but anyway, it all looks real. I think it's going to look amazing whenever it's all there. Yeah, but. It is a kind of exciting thing whenever you have something in your mind and you first see it start to take shape and you're like, oh, right, this this all might work. It might actually like be cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. That was a really exciting thing. But that is one reason I think why today you and I are both kind of zapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who knows, maybe we'll have our motorized boat. Which somebody did bring up a new uh, a good point the other day when I was walking them through how I was going to build this basically this boat that moves, mm-hmm. but it's controlled by like a joystick almost like it's like um, it's a hover round sort of situation, yeah. right? Like a scooter, basically, yeah. And so, but they they said, well, but if you're doing that, how are you going to row the boat? Because you have to row. I was like, you're right. You're going to have to trust your other actor in so the boat with you. I'm going to have, like, but that that's the thing. So the person, the other person panic. is, <laughs> the boat is 11 years old. And so can they do this? Because it wouldn't make any sense for the big dude in the boat to let the little girl in the yeah. boat paddle. And so now I'm like and going to. for staging to, purposes, she's going to have to be facing you. It's she's going to have to steer backwards. Oh. <laughs> Just so many things. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that um, were occurring to me in the moment. I was like, oh, would it just be okay? Maybe it would be like, I'll just, it's like I just did a really, really big paddle. Yeah. <laughs> you just have the controller in your hand, and as you're paddling, you're. Yeah. Yeah. I just do want just a, 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 a one hand, two paddles, circular motion. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's that's the way to that's the way to do it. Or just you know the one paddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just that strong. Or just a motor. We'll just put a motor on the back. And what year does this? Just pull that thing. 
1893. That boat is moving awfully slow for having a big motor like that. <laughs> it's shallow water. You got to be careful. We're just it's throwing up mud everywhere. <laughs> uh, anyway, but it is very exciting. It is cool. Um, so one of the things, uh, whatever, when we first started texting about recording today, that I started thinking about and that's been kind of been on my mind is um, what it's like to be in this business and to be afraid or like get into a point where you yourself like start feeling the fear, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Um, like I know for a long time, whenever I would get on stage, especially if I was in a musical um, or like performing in Shakespeare or anything like that, um, I would go on stage and I would work myself up being nervous that I would get the hiccups. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even kidding. (laughs) It's so stressful. But for like, I mean, it might have been a solid year of doing theater. Every time I went on stage, I would get the hiccups and I would have to calm myself down. It was like I got nervous hiccups just because I was afraid that I was yeah. going to get the hiccups. What if you were just like breathing improperly or something? I have no idea, but still to this day, like I don't remember what musical we were doing, but it was not that long ago in my mind that I went out there and was singing and got the hiccups in the middle of the song and was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's back. The hiccup monster is back. Um, but, you know, I survived it anyway. But it, that's not necessarily where I'm talking about as far as fear. But it is kind of the power of fear in a way where you think, I'm afraid of this. And so you almost kind of will it into existence, even though you don't want to. Yeah. And I know that a lot of times, like, I'll be afraid going into something. And it's almost like the confidence is lacking. So then I don't do my best. Yeah. And there's just so much I think in this business that is up to chance and there's just a lot that can almost like cripple you you know with fear and anxiety really Mm -hmm. because really what we do is absolutely insane as theater artists you know I mean you put all of your your eggs in this one basket basically and just hope to God that it works yes and you have absolutely no way of knowing if it works until you perform it for real. Yeah, see, we don't have the benefit of, like, say, in film, where they have test audiences or it has to go mm. in front of a bunch of EPs. Right. Um, and now, yes, we have previews and things like that, which can <laughs> kill a show oh, like, yeah. in the spot. But even when we have, like, friends come and watch a show, by the time that they would come and see it and say something to us that this isn't working, it's, it's too it's late. Done. Yeah. yeah, it's done. And then what do you do? <laughs> Other than just wear this little badge of honor walking around being like, I failed in front of everyone. <laughs> the badge is also a musical. It's yes. just a musical badge. I failed <laughs> in front of everyone. <laughs> but seriously, though, that is scary getting the hiccups in the middle of a song. It's terrifying. Look, my biggest fear is that you're going to sneeze seven times on stage because I think about that. No, I, yeah, that's always going to happen at some point, I'm sure. But my biggest fear is that, man, I'm going to walk out on stage and then I'm going to get them bubble guts. Oh, and, and then, I'm either going to have to miss or just mm-hmm. leave early. Oh, man, I don't know what I would. Yeah, I don't know what I would I would do if you. Just, Which is why I don't eat before. Actually, I was going to say, I don't know what I would do if you just suddenly walked off the stage, but I've experienced it and I've survived. I've survived you just leaving. <laughs> One time. It happens one time. One is enough, I will tell you. 
<laughs> and you've also forgotten Until, big chunks of dialogue, too. But never left. <laughs> <laughs> never left. The only time that I left was whenever I actually did have an exit and that UFO fell in the middle of the show. And there was a fishing <laughs> yes. line across the stage. And I walked out there and had this impulse to grab it and try to break it. <laughs> I don't know what happened to me. I felt like I blacked out. I went to another universe. Because, you know, you're told that you have to just kind of take whatever happens in the middle of the show and just run with it. And everybody knew that something had happened. Because we had had, in our first production of Greater Tuna, we had like a funny little moment where a UFO, a small UFO, flew over the audience's head and over the stage. But it was going from the sound booth, which was in the lighting booth, which is in the back of the house, and then flew over us. But in the middle of one of Chris's scenes, whenever he's like a little kid, and I'm supposed to be the horrible, abusive, alcoholic father, (laughs) the UFO, it fell. (laughs) And it fell on, it was like a, I say fall. It's not like the, it the weighed string had, 20 yeah, it million pounds. It was something. a balloon with a little propeller motor on and it. And I'm watching this really woman funny. fight this you know, fishing line out of her hair. And, and I hear people laughing, but I don't understand what happens. So I walk out there to be this jerk, and Chris is laughing, and the audience is laughing. I see this fishing line. I'm like, oh, my gosh, i got to do something about this. And I just grabbed that fishing line, wrapped it around my hand, thinking that I could break this 500-pound grade fishing line <laughs> that we had. With myself. Yeah. <laughs> and I just What's grabbed it and of? said... <laughs> I, did I say that? Yes. I know I said, oh, it looks like we're going fishing or something like that. <laughs> like there was I a string. A <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was definitely a string oh, of things God. said. Oh, and it was so good. I, I just... I don't know exactly how, but I just... Just I know that I left because I just had like three lines to say on stage and I just said like tell your mama I'm I'm, I'm going tell your mama yeah and then I just walked off and left you out there with that vision line because I was like I, I can do and then I see from backstage where it was taped up top just just some gaff scooting, tape on yeah. a fishing line scooting across because Adam decided it was time to reel her in to the light booth <laughs> <laughs> so just slowly just went across funny. the stage. <laughs> Oh, I will say that if we ever do Greater Tuna again, speaking of fear, that will be one of the fears. Yeah. It was, and that was really funny. Adam was hilarious in that because he was our UFO um, operator. Um, Would you say operator, engineer, our UFO designer? Yes. He was our UFO designer. Special effects designer. There you go. And he was, he was like on the very first night is when it happened to yes. like the opening show of our theater company. <laughs> The UFO crashes down. Then you think, we can only go up from here. And we did. (laughs) (laughs) And at the end of the show, too, that UFO held for so long. Oh, But I do kind of wonder, like, when, if there's ever been an instant, and maybe there's not one off the top of your head, where you feel like that the fear kind of started to get a hold of you, in a way. I don't know if it really necessarily got or takes hold of me maybe in the same way where it manifests into something. Yeah. There, like, okay, for example, when we were doing Mockingbird, mm-hmm. it was, you know, lights out, and it's about to be the opening of the show, and 
I stood there and I was like, what if this, what if this doesn't work? What if nobody likes this? What if, and it's right. Because that was the first time that you were on the other side of the table. Yeah. It was like, these are my ideas and feelings in front of everyone. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're, the thing I have to do when I walk out on stage is I have to turn my brain off and let the muscle memory take hold. Um, a lot of times, because if I'm sitting there overthinking things or thinking about other things, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I have no idea what mm -hmm. my next line is. Um, but, but standing back, uh, for that, I, it was just really the, the fear of the what ifs basically. Yeah. And which is all based in self doubt, which is what it is, I guess. But it is kind of interesting how it's like the fear comes from definitely like a place of, of doubt and like almost uh, a trauma. Like, you know, it's all, I feel like everything always relates back to some sort of trauma that you've mm -hmm. experienced. Um, so it's almost like a muscle memory comes out, even though you may not know you have it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have that fear every single time that we do a show that I direct a show that, you know, somehow this is not going to be received the way that it's meant. And that I'm going to have to almost explain myself as far as the reasons as to why I did this. And, you know, it, it's just kind of like I was talking to somebody yesterday about food at a restaurant, like owning a restaurant, not without fail. If you own a restaurant, you're not going to be absolutely perfect with every meal. Yeah. And so like, even though everybody thinks that it's amazing, someone's going to go there and get a bad meal and you're going to have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's the same thing. I feel like we're almost do in the same business in a way. Like when is it that we're going to do a bad show? Yeah. Like when, when is it when the stars don't align or, you know, the right people don't show up for the parts or, you know, we feel like it's going to be great and the audience is there and it's just crickets and it's like, when is that going to happen? Yeah. It's almost like that is that is an anxiety that I have. And so pretty much every time that we do a show going into it, I think, oh, man, is this going to be the time? I feel like there's at least two or three shows or, or rehearsals that we have in the course of any production where I think, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one. Yeah. <laughs> this is the one that's not going to come together. Well, you know that I also struggle with that. Like, if I don't get something perfect off the bat, yeah, then it drives me freaking crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I beat myself up, and then I'll go home and do it 10,000 times until yeah. it's it's done. And I struggle to tell myself all the time, it's progress. Mm -hmm. It's about progress. You're not there on the first day. Yeah, progress, not per perfection. Yeah, and I just hate not getting something the first try. Yeah, well, I mean, I understand that too. Um, I I uh, was gonna say something and I just don't remember what it was. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, and this thing. Yeah, that, uh, just listen to this brilliant comment that I have. Um, there's also like you know, fear can be such a, a like a roadblock in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I. If I'm led from a place of fear anyway, then we would never get anything done. Yeah. You know, throughout the the course of my career, I think about the things that I was fortunate enough to be in the room for or um, to like, you know, be a part of or a show that I was in. And then I think like, you know, after school, just just thinking about who I am now in my 30s. After school, I moved to Chicago with two hundred and twenty-five dollars. Yeah, and that was it. I put, like, I paid my last month's rent 
in Oklahoma City. And I loaded up my car and I drove to Chicago to move into an apartment that I had never seen in an area that I had never been to. And I could not afford the first month's rent of the apartment. Yeah. And I have no, I, and I had no job. I was like, what in the world? And I was like, look at me, here I go. All my stuff's in the car. This is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> like, if that would be me now, like thinking about, thinking about that, like I, I couldn't do that now. I no. mean, there's definitely a time in your life that you can do things or in your twenties. Absolutely. Maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, going up there and just experiencing those things and the times that I was like, Ooh, crap, I don't have anywhere to be. I'm going to have to sleep in my car, yeah. <laughs> which also is another word for homeless. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just but like, you know what though? It's like that famous quote. Uh, but what if I fly? But what if you fly? Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I could fall. Yeah. But what if you fly? But what if you fly? Yeah. I think it is the, but, but you know, there's so many instances along the way that like fear could have definitely got the better of me. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that it did more often than not. I just, I'm sure in that drive to uh, Chicago, you thought at least a half dozen times, this is a stupid idea. I did not think that once. Oh, really? I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's, that is how, how like, you were just like, I'm excited. Stupidly confident I was yeah. in my abilities. I was like, I'm making the perfect decision and I'm totally prepared for this. Yes. I've not saved any money. I have no idea. But I thought that I was, you know, I thought I was hot stuff. I was going up there. I had already auditioned. I was, I felt so, like, important because I had been invited to audition for Chicago Shakes twice while mm-hmm. I was still in college. And I was like, I'm going to hit this town and it's not going <laughs> to know the, what was coming. <laughs> I did hit the town, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it definitely knew what was coming. Yes. <laughs> it's like we you have about 10,000 yeah, other people. Like we have a bunch the of the same you. dream. We have a bunch of you. It doesn't just matter that you're a man in theater anymore. Yeah. Like you're going to have to be good. <laughs> but I mean, just just thinking, looking back on it, though, if if I would have ever just sat down and allowed the fact that, you know, going into a room and being super vulnerable in front of people. Um, that I don't know that like where I want something so bad and literally they have the ability to say yes or no to that thing. There's only like two answers. Mm -hmm. It's like every room you enter into, you have a 50, 50 shot of it working out and you barely, it barely works out for anyone. And the amount of times, I mean, you see some people that you see people in shows and you think how many times have they had to audition to to just get get this one, you know? And, some people are definitely more fortunate than others, and I got incredibly lucky. But I feel like I might have only ever gotten one job because I was talented. And every other job I ever got was because... Is it the role of husband? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> no. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> no, the, it was... It was uh, like, I think every job I got after that was just because I was so happy to be there and wanted to do a good job. And, you know, it was nice to have in the room. I think that was the most important thing. Then the, after that one job, it was like, oh, yeah, no, now we know who you are and we know how you are in rehearsals and we mm-hmm. want you around. And it wasn't always as an actor. And yeah. that was kind of cool being able to have that experience. And, um, I, you know, I was thinking I heard somebody say one time that um on the other side of fear 
is where happiness is. Yeah. It's like that, like you can be afraid of something, but once you get to the other side of that, like once you work your way through it, that's where you, you basically achieve your goal, your extreme happiness. Yeah. And I do kind of think that that's all of what we do when we produce shows. It's like a absolutely terrifying thing <laughs> that I don't think a lot of people would want to like hitch their wagon to mm-hmm. <laughs> necessarily. But there is something to say about whenever you finally get all of those puzzle pieces together and it's all on stage and it's like working like a machine and the audience is enjoying it and everybody is somehow like getting to experience what it is in your brain and being like, oh, this is such an interesting way to tell the story and I wouldn't have thought of this this way and they're just kind of not necessarily concentrating on your choices but enjoying them. Yeah. You know? And which I think there are different, there's a difference there. But well, that was one of the things I could say definitely uh, to speak on that with Hades Town. It's just, you know, sometimes I'll watch a show and then I think of the mechanics of it the entire time. Oh, yeah. When things are not necessarily going as great as they could be going. Yeah, you find somewhere to focus. <laughs> yes. And um, when watching Hades Town, I'm just mesmerized by the whole thing. I'm being told this beautiful story. And I could turn my brain off and I had to think about all the mechanics after the fact. Yeah. Because I'm wrapped up in what's going on. Which is and what I really you want. hope. Yeah. I really hope that we get to achieve that anytime we're on stage. Yeah. I do kind of, um, I'm so in, I, I watch shows like that and then immediately, and I try really hard not to be this way, but then I'm immediately just so envious. <laughs> like yeah. Oh, just, yeah. I'm just filled with. With envy, in a, in a sense. How can we get this stage to pull back? Yeah. <laughs> I will say also, it's just, yeah. yeah. How, how can we get a turntable? That's really where I've, where I've been for the last year. Where can I, how can I make this happen? But I will say that, like, after watching shows like that, too, I think that anybody who's ever been in the business in any sort of way, you kind of get this it's it's almost like a, a a bit of fear missing out in a sense mm-hmm. where i start like i have a moment where i think you know what would what would it be like if i were like man you know what i'm just going to i'm not going to run my own theater company anymore i'm not going to do this i'm just going to be an actor again like that's what i should do mm-hmm. and i'm going to go out there and just try to make that happen but then I very quickly come down from there. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't know that because it's been probably been a quickly long time come down. since you've been just directed. Yeah. As it's an been actor. a very long time. And I don't know how you would handle bad choices being given to you. Well, I mean, in my mind, I'm working with the best directors. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't want to say that I I always make the right choice or anything like that, but I do think, you know, you can at least try something once. Yeah. As far as like getting direction. But I do, I miss being I miss being directed. Like I would love to be in a show and just fulfill the role as actor and show up and do my job and just do that job. Um which is what's been going on for me for Tuck. It's been so weird. <laughs> so strange. Well, you to me. showed up on Saturday and you helped. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a set construction day. I'm not going to leave the whole <laughs> show high and dry. But for the most part, it's like, oh, they're rehearsing tonight. I should. I'm not called. I'm not doing anything. Like, does Cody want me to be there? <laughs> 
It was kind of weird because I didn't put you on the schedule, but it never occurred to me that you that meant that you weren't going to be there. <laughs> it's like, like I know that I looked at Heather, our stage manager, and said, "Where's Chris?" She's like, "He's not called." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, right, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yes, it does make sense." All right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. It's just so out of the norm or mm-hmm. like what we're used to at this point. Probably the least we've hung out in two years. It feels that way over the last two weeks. Yeah. It does feel that way. I just thought, man, Chris this must be really busy. He's just really enjoying himself. <laughs> <laughs> I also know what's coming down the pipeline later on this year, and we're going to be so freaking busy. That is 100% true. You do kind of have to like take your rest whenever you can get it. Mm-hmm. I get that. But... Anyway, I I know that uh, I I like went down that like fear topic, and I feel like I said that there was something else I want to talk about, and I don't even remember because really all that's going through my mind is all the times that I was absolutely terrified out in front of a before going into an audition. Yeah, <laughs> Th- those I mean, it is su- people that are in the business understand, and it is such a torturous thing. And yeah, you're just basically entering a business that is just to criticize you yeah and it's impossible not to feel like when you don't get something it's because you're not good enough you're not worthy it's hard to to remember oh it's just because i wasn't right for this project instead it's like oh i'm bad Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's really because i know for me some of the times that i've gone into like these film auditions and things it's like do I swing big or do I give them sort of what they want? And even for some, some stage auditions too, it's, it's, I, what do you, I, I don't know what you are necessarily looking for. Well, it's also like with film, I find, and well, I mean, really any kind of audition, who you're auditioning for, the personalities are always so different. Yeah. And for me, I would want somebody to go for it and make it their own as much as possible yeah. because I'm going to see it the same way a hundred times from mm-hmm. other people. And so I would want to see it different. And then I would want to know that I could direct you to change Yeah, that. But I would also like to know that you can make a choice and be confident. But not everybody feels that way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it is, that, is, that is interesting. Especially like film auditions. Mm-hmm. I, always, I just always hated those. Those are the worst. Just stand on the blue X. Don't move. But also, you're about to be ran over by a helicopter. Can you be ran over by a helicopter? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think you can be ran over. I think it maybe like runs Flown into you. over? I think ran into. Flown? Maybe. I don't you're, know. Yeah. You're about to be hit. You were impaled. You're about to be hit by a helicopter. <laughs> Except whenever I went in and I did. I think I've told that story. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I wasn't uh, I wasn't hit by the helicopter at all. It was just like, hey, you want to want to get out of here? I would love now that it, <laughs> you're saying that. And it's, I having this thought, I was like, I would love to do a show where like it's just people trying to audition. Yeah, kind of almost like chorus line. Yeah, but not a musical. Right. But something like that where you could write, OK, uh, you're supposed to be. Wait, what is this scene? Oh, uh. Uh, where like the actors don't you get know, enough there's information. There's that like time where um, you think to yourself, um, just because I can doesn't mean I should. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kind of like that stupid freaking platform. And I believed in your dream, and I helped you achieve it. I didn't crap all over it. 
where I think you and I would both enjoy that show immensely. I just don't know if what your your idea is great. I love the idea. I'm here to support. Don't patronize me now. <laughs> don't. It's too late. I think that would make a great 10-minute play. I just can't imagine sitting for an hour and 35 minutes with somebody with a piece of paper in their hand being like, what is, um, I'm here to audition for, I, where, where are, oh, I'm done? Maybe okay. it's a segment in a show. How about that? <laughs> okay, a part, a part Jeez. of the show. I was just thinking of the length of time. I mean, if you could make it go on that long, it would you, actually be huh? very funny. Why you always got to hurt me? I feel like that would go really good with the play that goes wrong, people. <laughs> like, they could figure out how yeah. to make that somehow one bit last for an hour. and it'd That's be fair, yeah. Like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Like that guy trying to open that damn door. That was, to <laughs> me, I still think about that, and I wonder, how can I use that somewhere, someplace? I still haven't watched their second season. Oh, they have a second season out? Yeah. Oh, I got to watch that. Yeah, the show that goes wrong on Amazon Prime has a second season, and I have put it off because I, I like, just want to have it to watch. Yeah. But I know that doesn't do anything for them. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just means they're not going to, like, I'm now going to wear on my, on my heart or my conscience the fact that they don't get a third season is because I didn't watch, <laughs> like... <laughs> Kept their second. I should just play through it once while I'm not watching it. Yeah, and then that way I'll feel better, and then I could revisit it. Yeah, later. turn it on and then um go and go mow do the something grass. else. Yeah, I'll turn it on in the three bedrooms of the house, and then I'll leave and come back when it's done. See, I don't know how the ratings work these days, but I think because maybe it's all the same account, same IP. Yeah, maybe. it would be. I'm sure it has to do with IP addresses and just streams. Like clicks and because it's not like the Nielsen, long, yeah. Like finish, like did they did they finish it? Those kind of things, yeah. And I'm, but I wonder if they actually grade the like binge watching factor. Like, how many people finish the entire series in a small amount of time? I do wonder about that all the time because I know a lot of these tech companies get logistics on how far, like. Say, you know, we both play video games, how far people make it through a game. Well, yeah, I mean, I can tell with the logistics of this podcast how many people listen to it the full way through or halfway through or 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, and some sometimes it's horrifying, <laughs> <laughs> but they are listening. So. But I mean, I kind of also like really just started looking at the subscribers and stopped looking at that in depth of the. Yeah. Because it just, you can kind of wade yourself down with analytics. It's almost just like with with theater, you know, you can just, you get so caught up in the process of selling it or whatever, and then you kind of start to lose your passion in a sense. Because mm -hmm. um, it becomes more like a business. And I feel like that's kind of where I was going with the podcast for a bit. It was no longer like something I, like I could see myself not looking forward to it because I was getting weighted down on so many of the things like why aren't why what can I do to make people click on this more like why aren't yeah. people like it's just ridiculous you just start to hate it it's kind of like how I don't know if I'm just getting older or if I just have gotten to where I actually hate my phone oh yeah 100% like I just don't I I just don't care anymore about I maybe it's just because it's been so much of our life really since high school or freshman year of college when Facebook was around. Yeah. And it's like, I don't really want to, I don't care. It's one of the, yeah, this is a deeper subject in and of itself, but I could not imagine being a kid today 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's got to be so hard being, being a parent. Yeah, like you're being accosted with all of this stuff, and you see all of these other kids that get these things. Oh, well, oh, well I have a fa- I don't think Facebook lets you have one unless you're an actual teenager or something now. Well, they have like an entire kid's messenger. Oh, okay. Where so, they can like chat with each other and do video calls and those kind of things, but I don't think that they can like have a Facebook page. Yeah, but it, it's to me, and then you start to really... Define your self-worth by the likes that you get or the comments that you get. Yeah, I mean, it changes your it changes your brain. Yeah. I mean, that's like what all of Social Dilemma was about, you know, and there's so many studies about basically what, what you're doing to your brain development mm-hmm. between certain ages. I mean, your brain's not even fully developed until you're 25 if you're a woman and 27 if you're a man. And so, which, being a man, totally understand that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um even though I, I feel like I do need to walk around and tell people my brain, it's fully developed. <laughs> I, I just want you to know when people doubt a decision I make, just being like, you don't understand because your brain isn't as developed as mine. <laughs> my brain is fully developed. <laughs> that's just oh, science. Yes. That's just science. Oh, that's bad science. <laughs> uh, but it's fact. It is. Yeah. Um. But it, it does something to do with like the dopamine levels or something, you know, because you're constantly mm-hmm. able to scroll through. After watching that and seeing where they're like, oh, so-and-so hasn't been on their phone in a minute, send them a push a notification. notification. After watching that, I saw like oh, just really the sheer attention. amount of yours. Oh, someone hasn't or someone has just shared like a new reel or a new story yeah, for the on first Instagram, time in a while. And it's like, oh, wow, that is. Yeah. The amount of times malicious. that my phone just lights up. And then I'll get on, like, if I get on Facebook, I'll have, like, 20 notifications. Yeah. None of them are for me. They're all, like, your friend did this thing over here, and yep. your other friend did this thing over here. And, and the marketplace has this. Here's yeah. a memory from, you know, 13 years ago. <laughs> like, what, why am I here? Yeah. I don't, I didn't ask for this. I don't want this. Ugh. I'm just kind of over it. I really only use it for theater. That's, mm-hmm. like, the only, I mean... I enjoy being able to get on there and like whenever somebody pops into my head from my past or whatever, I could search them and see what they're doing now. Like that's Mm -hmm. kind of cool. Um, Or like, you know, whenever somebody has something to celebrate, like they've succeeded in something like being able to keep up with my friends that way has been super cool, like seeing their successes. But like, I just don't that. And, you know, also I will say this, I find such great joy in the paragraph statuses, the people that leave <laughs> the statuses that ask for unspoken prayer requests and don't ask me yeah. <laughs> what it is. And, everyone, and then they, what is this? Well, no, but What's then of course on? you got to go to their comments and see the, what is this? And then normally around like the fourth or fifth reply, they just tell the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And then the next day they put a new status being like, thank y'all so much. This is what I, this is what we were going through. Yeah. And, oh, my God, I just couldn't talk about it yesterday. But I just hate <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> it's like, what? You know, um, but I, I was, find joy in it. I don't know what that means about me. Yeah. Trash person. Maybe. Maybe it's just a trash person. <laughs> just just the hip, hypocrisy or the contradiction of yeah. it is just so crazy. The I think we're all attracted to um, insanity. And yeah. That's kind of what that is. It's like, I, I love to look at the train wreck. Well, yeah, just why did you make this decision? Yeah. We are not talking about this as a family. 
So please do not ask us about our current situation that I will not be putting on Facebook. <laughs> it's like, what kind of a status is that? But it was so interesting. I read our friend uh, Morgan Lassion put this huge one of those paragraphs. She makes statuses. some long. She makes some long ones. But she said something She's that I thought like a was blogger. Yes, she said a status blogger. <gasps> oh, new term. Um, it was so profound. It was like not every moment has to be shared. Yeah. But it's like when I'm watching, when she's talking about her daughter, watching her daughter do these things, and she's like, I should film this so I can put it on Facebook or whatever. And it's like being present in the moment yeah. is my big important thing. Like put the phone, put everything else to the side. When I'm here with you, I want to mm. be completely like engaged in with you. Right. Well, it's kind of like we went on vacation and I think I have... I've got like a ridiculous video of you doing a toe touch. <laughs> I've got yeah. like some s silly pictures that I took of Glenn and Vicky and like one of Lexi. Mm -hmm. And that was, that, that was it. I was, we got back and I, we were like on the plane coming back. I was like, Oh, let me see the pictures that I, Oh, I did not. I did not. So many things that Lexi and I do, I feel like we never, we've never documented. Yeah. Like if, if we don't write them down, we're going to eventually forget that we ever did anything <laughs> together. But when we went to the Biltmore, when you crest the hill where the, the little sort of overlook oh, yeah. is. It's like egregious, the yeah. amount of people. Everyone is taking a photo there, and I'm just like mesmerized by the house to begin with. Like yeah. this, the size of this thing is freaking incredible to begin with. But nothing is ever going to take my breath away in the way that me seeing it for the first time did. And not through a screen. Yes. Like, here it is in front of me in real life, but I'm choosing to look at it through this, like, five-inch device or whatever it yeah. is. It was the same way at, I can look at like, Yellowstone at Old Faithful. I, I have a picture of Old Faithful whenever I, I was there. And um, my picture is not of Old Faithful. It's of the literal, like, 500 tourists. Mm -hmm. With all of their phones and I like I love the the people that commit to bring an iPad like you <laughs> yes. know you, like I I didn't want to see it on my little screen I'm gonna take a picture of this on my iPad like <laughs> who are you you're 65 that's who you are yeah. you're 65 your OtterBox case and everything <laughs> on your iPad with the little hand just, uh, thing yeah on the oh back. yeah with the hand and I'm sure it fits on his belt too. Mm -hmm. But just that's what I took a picture of because I just could not believe it. Just the sheer like every single person that was there but us had their phone out and was recording it. Yeah. And I always think in that moment, like this has got to be one of the most photographed places ever. If I want a picture or to show someone this, I just Google it. Yeah. Like the pictures exist. It's not like, you know, forever ago where you're going to take a picture and put it in a slideshow and show your family when you get home. Be like, look at <laughs> yes. this. Isn't this crazy? Like you can literally just be like, let's go to YouTube and search Yellowstone Old Faithful. And we can literally watch a 45 minute video of somebody on their way. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's crazy. Well, even at the uh, um, the Mona Lisa display, dude, it's mm -hmm. hundreds of people. And it's so tiny. Yeah. Taking a photo. And it's just there's no photo that will ever take the memory or substitute the memory. It's like, oh, look at this cool thing I did. I don't like. It's like going to see a live band. Yeah, and all I you see is phones. Yeah, people literally watching the show from their five-inch device, like recording device. it. Well, but it's what are you doing? It's the, and I think there's a part of it good. that is like trying to, I guess, in a way, be the devil's advocate of it. Is I'm experiencing this, and I want everyone to experience it. Mm -hmm. And so I guess there's 
something to be said about the shared experience of it. Like, well, these people could be there and I want it. But I feel like it's not. I intentionally didn't buy tickets to see that show, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, or if you were me, you just couldn't afford it. But <laughs> I intentionally can't afford this because yeah. of my chosen career path. <laughs> just really hoping I'm one of the 66,000 that doesn't have to pay their student loans anymore. It's just like fingers crossed. So hard. Navient, <laughs> leave me alone. Leave me alone. I have loans. I fit the criteria. All right. Leave me alone. Um, but I do think that there's something negative, like the, I just can't see it as a, I was going to try to be devil's advocate. It just, it can't work. I can't see it in a positive way. I just feel yeah. like it's, I'm here doing this and I want people to see me here doing this because look at me, I go out and do things. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's just the only reason. I think that's why you and I are drawn so much to theater. Yeah. That's that. Yes. 100%. For the shared experience, not just with mm -hmm. the other actors on stage and the tech crew, but also the audience as well. Yeah. We're all getting to experience the story and it's different every single night. Right. I mean, and that's what's when we do the children's theater. That's what I always try to because I, I absolutely despise the curtain speech aspect of theater. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I hate it. But, you know, whenever you're working for a nonprofit, it's something that you have to do. You have to go out there at any moment where you have an audience that's listening, like a, a captivated audience yeah. in a sense. Like you have these people sitting there, they have no choice but to hear you. So you have to tell them what's going on and, you know, try to get them excited about it or whatever, give people as much information as you can while you can. But um, I just don't really like it. I would much rather, I feel like people paid their ticket, they should just go straight into seeing the show, yeah. which is why I like to do the canned curtain speech of just like, this is the information you need while you're here. Enjoy the show. So yeah. that way you don't have like an outsider on the stage. I just feel like kind of ruins the experience for the children's shows. I don't think it's as big of a deal, mm -hmm. but um, so the uh, like at, when we do the children's theater at the Fox, I always try to remember to tell the parents like, you know, we had a photographer come and we filmed this entire show, you know, like you can watch it. You yeah. can see these professional photos taken. Please resist the urge to pull out your phone and just be here in this moment and experience it with your kids. Yeah. Because they're working really hard to make this, you know, world happen. And it would be great if we didn't just see a sea of phones. But I can imagine it's really hard whenever it's your kid because you want to remember everything. Yeah. So. But I am always amazed that you make you can make those speeches, and there's always and it's always the people in the front row, mm -hmm. the very front, and they like all but stand up with their iPad, <laughs> with their iPad, <laughs> and they're like you know headlamp way above, <laughs> just watching it through yeah. the through the screen. It's just yeah, every every single time those iPad people. Well, you tied it back to theater. That was really nice. You did it. Nice little bow. <laughs> I still can't remember what I was going to say. The other thing that I wanted to talk about. You mentioned it to me before and you were going to ask my opinion on something. I know. I can't, and I can't, I can't remember it. You know what? We're at a good length. We could always have you remember that later. <sighs> it's just forgotten forever. We might as I threw you off with the Jack and Rose speakeasy. Yeah, that's what it was. It was the Jack and Rose, <laughs> which I still, I maybe I'll name this podcast the Jack and Rose. Just to get people to listen. Like, what are they talking about this week? Hey, um, uh, I think that I want to say to you congratulations because 
That was Chris. And that is Cody Afanopoulos. Oh, they're just Jack and Rosen. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's going at the end. Oh, come on.